0: Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers, I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. Now this is a very interesting story, and Enoch was a very interesting man in the Bible. According to our text this morning, Enoch was the father of Methuselah. Now if you've ever heard of Methuselah, more than likely it's because he's pretty famous in the Bible, and what he's famous for is he lived longer than anybody ever lived on the earth. Uh, A few verses down in Genesis 5, it tells us that Methuselah lived 969 years on this earth. Almost a thousand years. Can you imagine that? He lived to see his great, 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 grandson. I mean, that's a long time. Can you imagine being Methuselah? Come here, Timmy. Come over here. Get up here on great, 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 great granddad's lap. It's amazing when you think about it. So apparently uh, Methuselah must have learned from his dad Enoch on how to live long and prosper, because that's exactly what he did. Now something else interesting about Enoch is that Enoch was also the great grandfather of Noah. And if you know the story of Noah and the flood, Noah was the only righteous man in the whole world that found favor in God's sight in the midst of a wicked world, So apparently Noah must have followed great-granddad's example as well. And so we read this morning that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. You know, Enoch lived 365 years. That's a long life right there. After Methuselah was born, he lived 300 years longer, and he walked with God. Now that phrase, walked with God, means he continually followed or he marched in step with God. In other words, whenever God went, he was there with him. And so there was a special relationship that Enoch had with God. I'm reminded of the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that that God would come down the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day of the garden. They had a special close relationship. And that reminds me of what Enoch must have had. He must have had a, a close relationship with God as well, that he walked with God. He had a closeness that no one else in that point in history, had had. In fact, Enoch reached a point in his relationship with God that he experienced his own personal rapture. Now, that's one of the amazing things about the story of Enoch, that God transported him supernaturally from earth to heaven. He didn't die. It's amazing. Now, wouldn't that be something if you and I could get so close to God that we have our own personal rapture? Well, if Enoch did it, then it is possible to do that. Uh, one, one, one day a little boy was telling the story of Enoch to his little brother, and he said this. Every day Enoch and God went for a walk together. They were best friends. Well, one day God said, Enoch, we've walked a, we've walked a long ways today, and we're closer to my house than to yours. Why don't you just come over to my house? And Enoch did. Enoch was so close to God that he was translated from earth to heaven. The only other person in the Bible who has gone to heaven without dying was the prophet Elijah who was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. You can read that in 2 Kings chapter 2. Now, some people think that Enoch and Elijah will be the two witnesses that come back from heaven to preach during the tribulation period that's spoken of in Revelation. Now, that's a whole different sermon altogether. We might get to that some other time. But it's interesting that Enoch and Elijah had that special relation with God that they were able to go straight to heaven and have their own personal rapture. Now, Hebrews 11.5 that we just read tells us that Enoch left a testimony behind, and his testimony was this, he pleased God. Now, how many of you here this morning would like to please God? Let me see your hands. Now, that was the testimony that Enoch left behind, that he pleased God. You know, when two people are in a healthy relationship, Whether it's a friendship, whether it's a marriage or family, or even with your spouse, they want to please each other. They want to do things for each other. They find out what the other person enjoys, and they want to do that. That's a healthy relationship. There's a give and take there. It's a partnership. Unhealthy relationships are selfish and only one way. In an unhealthy relationship, you have one person giving all the time, and the other person's always taking. They're selfish. That is an unhealthy relationship. And here's the thing. When it comes to our relationship with God, we should want to please the Lord after all that he has done for us. Because if you're in a one-way relationship with God that he's always giving and you're always taking and you're never willing to do anything for God, that is an unhealthy relationship and you will not grow in your relationship with God. Enoch had a relationship with God in that he pleased the Lord, which means whatever God wanted, Enoch did his best to do. And whatever whatever Enoch needed, God did his best to provide. It was a two-way relationship, and he pleased the Lord. And if Enoch could have a close relationship like that with God, you and I can get as close to God as we want to as well. In fact, the title of this message this morning is, What Pleases God? Now, I have found six things in the Bible that pleases God. And all six of them are going to take a sermon by, them, by themselves, so I'm just going to focus on the first one this morning. But we're going to start this series called, What Pleases God? Because if you truly are saved, if you truly love the Lord, you should want to please the Lord. Amen? And so the first thing that pleases God, the Bible tells us, is fervent faith. Fervent faith pleases God. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now it's interesting, that verse comes right after verse 5, which tells us that Enoch left this testimony that he pleased God. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to tell us one of the ways that we can please God is with our faith. Now, faith is the most basic necessity for a Christian, just like water is to your body. If you stop drinking water, you will die in just a matter of a couple days. You won't last very long. You have to have water, you have to have fluids. And if you are a child of God, you have to have faith. Now, faith is believing two things, verse 6 tells us. There's two things that faith believes it believes, number one, that God is, that God exists that God is on the throne, that God is in control. Do you believe that today? Faith will tell you that God still has the final say, even when the doctor's report says there's no way possible. Faith will rise up and say, oh, but God is. He is able. And the second thing that faith believes is that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to ask you this morning, do you believe that God exists? Do you believe that he has rewards laid up for you? You see, God rewards us according to how we seek him. And if you want to please God, then believe God. You know, when a reward is offered for something that is lost or stolen or some information on a suspect or something, that reward, that money is placed, placed into an account to be held until someone claims it. So what verse 6 is telling us, that God has rewards laid up in an account that's got your name on it when you begin to seek him for it. God has things that He wants to give you, and all He's waiting for you is to start seeking Him by faith, and He will open that account and He will give you everything that is laid up in store with your name on it. He's just waiting for you by faith. Jesus said, Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and it will be open to you. When you seek Him, the account will come open and God will reward you. Do you believe that today? All the blessings which God has has are received by faith. Salvation is comes by faith. Baptism in the Holy Spirit comes by faith. Healing comes by faith. Provision comes by faith. Everything you need comes by faith. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad to see Sister Sharon Kinder here this morning. She had surgery just a few days ago. The doctors were removing some what they thought was cancer cells in her body. And she got the results back. And they said that there is no cancer anywhere in her body. My God is able. Give him praise. Everything you need, God has it laid up for you, and it's accessed by faith. And if you want to please God, it's not your tears that gets his attention. It's not temper tantrums. It is faith that pleases God. And my friends, we must be strong in faith. We must be on guard against anything that could weaken our faith. We need to pray like the disciples. Lord, increase our faith and constantly seek to cultivate our faith by reading God's word. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want to tell you something. You cannot praise your way to more faith. You cannot pray your way to more faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's why you need to take time every day to read the word of God. Because if you show me someone that doesn't read their Bible, I'll show you someone who doesn't have a shield against the devil and has very weak faith. You and I have got to spend time in God's word every day. Because here's the great thing about God. When God speaks, things happen. My friend, God can just speak a word over your life today and everything in your life fall right into place. He can speak one word over your family and everything come back together. Hallelujah. When God spoke in the beginning, he said, let there be light. And out of the midst of darkness came light. There was no source for the light. It just appeared. Why? Because God spoke it. Because the sun, moon, and stars weren't created till four days later. That's the God we serve. He can make light come out of darkness. He spoke again, and dry land came up out of the water. That don't happen. You can't get dry land out of water, but when God spoke, that's exactly what happened. Then he spoke again, and grass began to grow on its own, and trees began to grow, and fruit trees began to bear fruit because God spoke the word. He spoke again, and fish appeared in the water, and birds appeared in the sky by simply God speaking the word the word and then Jesus the word of God showed up in John chapter 11 at the tomb of Lazarus and he said Lazarus come forth and a man who'd been dead for four days came out of the grave when God speaks things happen do you believe that today but there are other times when God speaks and the miracle hinges on our faith You'll see that throughout the Bible as well. Let me give a couple of the reminders. There was a Canaanite woman who came to Jesus one day because her daughter was demon-possessed. And he came to him, and she, she said, Master, please, will you heal my daughter? She's grievously vexed with the devil. And he said, Listen, you know, he was a Jewish man. She was a Canaanite woman. And according to the covenant that God made with Abraham, she was outside the covenant. She wasn't entitled to a miracle. And he said to her, he said, listen, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to dogs because the Jews and Samaritans were enemies with each other. Now, Jesus didn't have any enemies. He loved everybody. But he's ta- he was talking from a, um, a uh, societal standpoint that Jews and Samaritans had no dealings with each other. And when she heard that response, she said, you're right, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What she was saying was, if I, just, I don't need your major miracle. If you just throw me some crumbs under the table, I don't have to tell any of my Samaritan friends what you did, and none of the Jews have to know what happened, but Lord, I believe you can do it. And Jesus said in Matthew 15, 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. My friend, the miracle is there, and I want to tell you this morning, there are miracles available to you, but often it hinges on our faith, because faith is what pleases God. Another time, a centurion came to Jesus because his servant was sick, and this centurion, even though he was a man of authority, and he understood authority, he humbled himself before Jesus. And he said, Lord, I believe that you could heal my servant, and Jesus told him in Matthew eight thirteen. Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. As you have believed, be it done unto you. And his servant was healed the same hour. My friend, it didn't take days or weeks or months. It didn't have to wait for the test results to come back. The same hour. Why? Because faith in God will get you your answer. I wish I had a witness in here. In John chapter 9, we read about a blind man that Jesus and the disciples came along. The disciples said, Lord, this man was born blind. Who sinned that he was born blind? Was it him or his parents? Because back then they had the idea that a lot of people have today that if something goes wrong, it must be because you sinned somewhere along the way. But I want to tell you that when I read my Bible, I read about people like Job who were so righteous that God bragged on him, and he still lost everything he had because the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. And just because things are falling apart don't mean you have sinned. It just means the devil hates you, and it's okay. You can hate him back and still go to heaven. The devil's the only person you can hate still go to heaven. Hallelujah. I hate him with everything in me, and he hates me. But Jesus looked at the disciples. He said, that man didn't sin, neither did his parents sin. He was blind so that God can get the glory through his healing. And the Bible says that Jesus spit on the ground, and he made some clay, and he wiped it on the blind man's eyes. Now, the man was already blind, <laughs> Now he really couldn't see. He didn't pasted his eyes shut. Can you imagine that? I mean, Jesus could have spoke the word. I just told you a while ago. when he speaks, things happen. He could have spoke the word and created brand new eyes, but he didn't. He made clay and he wiped it on the man's eyes. Now, imagine being the blind man. Close your eyes just for a minute. We're going to do something. Just close your eyes for a minute. You are, imagine you've been blind your whole life. You don't even know what the grass looks like. You don't know what the sky looks like. You you can feel the sun in your face, but you don't know what the sun looks like. You've been blind your whole life. And you hear this conversation going on in front of you. Who sinned? This man was born blind. Well, nobody sinned. He, he He was blind so that God would get the glory. And all of a sudden you hear. Now what would you think? Now, being blind all of his life and begging all of his life, he probably was used to being spit on a lot. And so when he hears that, he probably thinks, oh, here comes somebody else. I better get ready for it. But I want to tell you something. God does things out of the ordinary. God will do things in ways that you don't even think he will. And my friend, Jesus decided to put clay on the man's eyes. And he, put, he told him to go down the pool of Siloam and wash it off. Now, you see, friends, it, what it comes down to is this. How bad do you want your miracle? What are you willing to go through to get it? Because desperate people don't care how it happens. I just need my miracle. You know, some people, they want something for nothing. They want to lose 50 pounds but still eat everything in sight. <laughs> some people want something for nothing. They want a degree, but they don't want to go to college. You know, some people want something for nothing. They want a godly man to marry, but they won't present themselves as a godly woman. It don't work that way. Listen, if you want something for nothing, I don't have a sermon for you today. You need to go to some other church. But where are the people who will say, Lord, whatever it takes, I want it. Lord, spit right here if that's what it takes. Because that's the kind of faith that pleases God. That's the kind of faith, the fervent faith that will pray a fervent prayer that gets God's attention. Hallelujah. Because you see, friends, some of you may have had to trust God to give you gas money just to come to church this morning. Listen, don't let people look down on you. Give God the glory for getting you here and he'll reward you for making the effort. I wish somebody would give God praise in the middle of your trouble. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God wants somebody to please him with their faith this morning. In John chapter 9, verse 7, and Jesus said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now remember, Jesus could have spoke the word and healed him. He could have laid his hands on the man and healed him. He could have just had him stand right there and heal the man. Even after he put clay on his eyes, he's okay, now just wipe it off. You're going to be healed. He could have done that, but he chose the pool of Siloam. Why did he tell him to go wash in the pool of Siloam? The pool of Siloam was at the southern end of Hezekiah's tunnel. There are 33 steps leading down to the pool of Siloam. It would take great faith for a blind man to go down three flights of stairs looking for a pool to wash the clay off. But my friends, that's what God's looking for. He's not looking for your excuses. He's not looking for a sad story. He's wanting to know, do you have faith to do what I'm asking you to do? And that blind man, he went down those steps. He found the pool of the Siloam. He washed it off. And when the the clay was washed off, his eyesight came back. My friends, my obedience takes faith. And God is waiting on you to do what he's already told you to do because then the miracle will come. My friend, it's not always just praying another prayer. Sometimes God wants you to do what he's told you to do. And then when you take that step of obedience, then your miracle will come. You see, lack of faith is not a new problem. In the Old Testament. There was no problem with the word of God, but it was with the, the Israelites. They didn't put their faith in what God said. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. The Israelites, the chosen people of God, who saw miracles every day, stopped believing in God and died in the wilderness. My friends, it is possible to see miracles all around you and still lose your faith. My friend, God is warning us today. He is looking for people who will say what he has said in his word. Don't say the opposite of what God says. If you want to please him, believe him. The Israelites died because they did not please God. And even though they woke up in the morning and had miraculous manna for breakfast every morning, they looked up in the sky and saw the presence of God as a cloud by day. At nighttime, they could look up, and the presence of God was a pillar of fire by night. Forty years of miracles, and they lost their faith anyway. My friend, that's why we don't go by what we see. We go by faith. And whatever God tells you, you can take it to the bank. You can stand on it. You can build your family on it because what God says will come to pass. In the New Testament, Jesus even rebuked his disciples one day because he had to do the things that he taught them to do. You see, Jesus, his his example of ministry was that Jesus would show the disciples what to do then he would do it with them. Then he would send them forth to do it on their own. That was his way. That's what ministry is. But in Matthew 17, there was a father who brings his demon-possessed boy to the disciples to cure him, and they can't do it. The Bible tells us in Matthew 17:17. Then Jesus answered the disciples and said, O faithless and perverse generation, How long shall I be with you, and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. You know, someone who's never done it before doesn't get rebuked. But someone who has done it before, and they know how to do it, and then they don't do it or they can't do it, that's who gets rebuked. Why? Because they've let their faith stop growing. Now, these are the 12 disciples here. The 12 disciples who were raising the dead, casting out devils, healing the sick, they were doing miracles beside Jesus, and Jesus rebukes them. Why? Because they let their faith stop growing. Oftentimes, we come to a place in our relationship with God that we feel comfortable and we stop our faith from growing. The disciples had already cast out many demons, and they probably felt comfortable and at ease with what they were doing. But my friend, never stop growing in faith if you want to please the Lord. Someone who pleases God is someone who is always in the Word of God, always growing your faith. With every obstacle that comes, it's another opportunity to grow your faith in God. So after the boy was delivered by Jesus, the disciples asked him why they had no power over the demon. And he tells them in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now this is Jesus telling his disciples who already had faith and were already performing miracles, but he tells them, you couldn't cast that demon out because of your unbelief. It is possible for church folks to get unbelief. It is possible for people who are Jesus' right hand men and women to become unbelievers. Why? Because you let your faith stop growing. And Jesus said, if your faith, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you know, a mustard seed is smaller than a sesame seed on a hamburger bun. That's how small Jesus said, if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You know why? Because it only takes a little bit of faith because our God is so great and so awesome. It only takes a little bit of faith if you'll just cry out to him and say, God, I don't even know how to pray, but I believe that you are and you're a rewarder of them that diligently seek you and I need a miracle. He will hear you and he can answer you. Does anybody believe that? Give him praise today. You see, we often think that a lack of faith is something beyond our control. Well, it's not my fault if my faith isn't as, isn't as big as so-and-so's. Well, that's not true. The Bible says in Romans twelve three, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith." Paul says God has given everybody faith. Even atheists have faith. They just put it in the wrong things. And so we see here from this verse that we choose to what to do with our faith and where to put it. Karl Rahner, one of the most influential Catholic theologians of the 20th century, said this, and I quote, the number one cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Those who proclaim him with their mouth Yet deny him with their actions is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now, you think about that. We who say that God is real, if we live like he isn't real, that's what the world can't figure out. We're saying one thing with our mouth, but our actions are denying him. We have no right to point our finger at Peter who denied Jesus three times if we're denying Jesus every day of the week by the way we live. My friends, if we say God is real, we must live like he is real. We must have faith like he's real. We must choose to grow that faith or else we're part of the reason the world is in the shape it's in. Because the message our lives are sending the people around us is telling them there is no hope when we know his name is Jesus. You see, that's why Jesus rebuked his disciples. He went on to tell them that they had not properly prepared themselves in Matthew 17, 21. He says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. We must grow our faith by reading the word of God every day but also by spending time in prayer and fasting. Why? Because we're in a spiritual warfare against the devil. And he's an enemy you cannot see with your natural eye. You've got to do it in the spirit. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, But they are mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. My friends, you must take every ungodly thought captive. Don't think it when those thoughts cross your mind. Take them captive. Don't even entertain them because that's not who you are. Those are not your thoughts. The devil's trying to put those thoughts in your mind. You don't have to entertain them. Now, see, we live in a society today that says, oh, go ahead, let's celebrate those thoughts. Let's embrace those thoughts. That's who you are. No, the devil is a liar. The Bible says, "Take those thoughts captive." Listen to me, and I know, I know, there are children here. I'm gonna to try to be as 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 couth as I can with this, but I know there's there's political things happening in the world, and with the election just a year away. They're going to be talking about things. It's going to be on the news. It's going to be exposed. And they're coming into our schools, coming after our kids. And I just want to say it this way. I'm going to say it this way. If you are a boy and you feel like a girl, that is not who you are. That thought is not yours. It's of the devil. If you are a girl and think you feel like a boy, that is not who you are. That thought is of the devil. That's not here. Take that thought captive in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? amen. One more scripture and I'm going to close. In Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, this is what a lack of faith leads to, specifically unbelief. This is what it leads to for not only individuals but even as a people group or even as a nation. Paul says in Romans 1, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use and that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now notice... That Paul says the root cause of the perversion that we see in the world today is unbelief in God. In verse 21, he said, When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Verse 25, he says, They changed the truth of God into a lie. And verse 28, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Those are three cases of unbelief or knowing God at one time, then changing from faith to unbelief. Paul said the root cause of what we are seeing in America today is a lack of faith in God. And we as God's people cannot afford to lose our faith. We've got to point people to the way, the truth and the life. His name is Jesus. I wish I had a witness in here. Anybody is unashamed of Jesus. Give him Praise. Christians in America are at a crossroads. Which path will you choose? Will you tolerate the sin or will you speak the truth in love? Three times in what I just read to you from Romans 1, Paul says God gave them up. Every time they had unbelief, God gave them over to something. He said he gave them over to uncleanness. He gave them over to vile affection. He gave them over finally to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is someone who knows the consequences of what they're doing but they don't care anymore. They are beyond repentance. If you ever fear that you have a reprobate mind, you don't. (laughs) Because reprobate minds don't care. There is no concern about reaching that point. They don't care about repentance. You know, it's interesting that the most intolerant and hate-filled people in America today are those who know the consequences of what they're doing, but they don't care And all they want to do is silence the people who are standing for the truth. America is turning its back on God because we've chosen to put our faith in humanism, capitalism, socialism, and all other isms. It is time we get back to believing God again. Return to him with all our hearts, all our souls, and all our minds. Because without faith, we can't please him. But with faith, we can please God every single day. Hallelujah. I wanna ask you a question in closing. When you pray, when you pray, what do you expect to happen? Do you really expect something to happen when you pray? Or when you pray, are you just hoping that maybe something will happen? Maybe God will hear you. Maybe He will answer your prayer. That's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When you pray, expect God to hear you. Believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Expect God to hear you. Expect him to send the answer down. Expect, know that you are his child and he is your father. Because that's how Elijah prayed. In James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Elijah was a man just like us. There was nothing special about him. Nothing extraordinary about him. He wasn't born to extraordinary parents. He wasn't born in an extraordinary age. He was just like you. He was subject to like passions like we are. He suffered depression. He ran in fear from Jezebel. He was just like you and me. Yet when he prayed that it would not rain, God heard him and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And when he prayed again, God God listened, and God sent rain. That's the kind of fervent faith that God is looking for. And if you pray expecting God to hear you, knowing that he is listening to your prayer, knowing you're his child, God will answer your prayer. Hallelujah. We started this message talking about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. He pleased God. And he experienced a personal rapture to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And brothers and sisters, we too can experience the rapture. I believe it's going to happen soon because the signs of the times are all around us. Jesus is going to split the eastern sky one day soon. And Jesus asked a question about that time when he comes back in Luke chapter 18 verse 8. And he said this, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? My friend, as we look around this world today, there's not a whole lot of faith. There's a whole lot of unbelief. But God is looking for people who will say, Lord, I believe that you are, and that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. I know that you know where I'm at. You know what I'm facing, and you have the answer to what I need. And, and Lord, I want to please you. And I realize today, without faith, I can't please you. So, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. And, Lord, increase my faith, because I want to please you. How many desire that today? How many really want to please God? Stand with me all across this building today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.